Welcome to No Apology with Emily and Chris. So glad you are with us today. We got a great show planned. We are going to have Russ Miller from Creation Evolution Science Ministries joining us in just a few minutes here. Creationministries.org. Now, if you have if you're a listener, you know that we tried doing this before. So we appreciate your prayers if you've been doing that because this is take two. Yeah. Try again. Everything seems to be working right. So we are glad about that. Don't forget, we are listener supported. So you can go to freshroadmedia.com and you can give any gift is appreciated. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, and Russ Miller is our special guest, creationministries.org. And uh, Russ, I'm going to try to bring you up here. There you are. Uh, You're now in Phoenix. You got good connection. We actually talked on the show a little bit about what we felt was like possible spiritual warfare, where every time we were about to get into the age of the earth issues, you would freeze up. You would lock up because you live in a crater up in uh, Craterland, Arizona. Yeah. So, uh, right. welcome to welcome to the show, Russ. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. How are you two? Well, we're doing fantastic. Emily's new show is going well. I get to co-host. I got no other responsibilities. Life is good. Life is really good. <laughs> yeah, nice. So, uh, Russ Miller is a creation speaker. He has he and Emily and I uh, toured around in 2007, 2008. We took bus tours to uh, uh, Grand Rapids, uh, Grand Rapids to Grand Canyon <laughs> before we moved to Grand Rapids. That sounds like a better bus tour. I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Grand Rapids. I don't know what the biblical or theological. <laughs> Grand something. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long, long day already. Um, but yeah, no, we would go, we would take people to Grand Canyon to show them the evidence of the global flood. Now, Russ, we've got so much to talk about, but I want you to start by sharing with us a little bit about uh, why you took a million dollar business and gave it away to share the truth of God's word. Because that's how we met. That that's that, that. What this guy did? What I need to know him. So that's how we met, like fifteen years ago. But tell the folks this story. Uh, you're a guy who comes across this truth. You were kind of some kind of quasi theistic evolutionist, and then you found the truth, and you it set you free, and you just rolled with it with God. Tell us that story, Russ. Well, I was a uh, Christian. I was uh, actually a, had become a, a trustee in my church, and I had built a nationwide business. And, oh, at the age of 40, uh, my plan was to retire at the age of 49 and spend the rest of my life uh, pretty much uh, goofing off, playing uh, golf, maybe hunting Cape Buffalo in Zimbabwe, all the important things in life. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, God had a different plan all along, and at the age of 40, I was also a lightweight theistic evolutionist. By lightweight, I mean I justified it in my mind. I have 174 college credits behind me. All you're taught is evolution in millions of years of time, and I justified it in my mind as, well, God must have used evolution in millions of years to get us here. I wasn't a diehard. I wasn't out uh, trying to sell it to other people. But I had justified it in my own mind that way. And then at the age of 40, God had me uh, stumble into, my wife got this to me, I actually stumble into some information from some other creationists. And uh, really, God just used that to light a fire under me. I studied it intently for four years. Within 15 minutes, I realized I'd been terribly lied to. Hmm. And God used that to really light a fire under me. I studied it intently for four years. And... Um, at the end of four years, I was about 44 now, 
it was almost like God tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Rush, you know this as well as anybody. Here's what I want you to do. I talked to my wife, Joanna, and I said, I don't think God wants me working a few more years making money and then goofing off the rest of my life. I think he wants me getting this information to other people. And that's what we decided to do. I went in and uh, one fellow had worked for me for 13 years. And I said, hey, look, I'm not giving you any warning. I'm going into a ministry and I feel, feel that's more important than making money. And I'm, that's what I did. I gave the business to him and uh, still Miller and Associates, but I'm not a part of it. Haven't been since 2000. And we went cold turkey into the ministry uh, trying to get this information to other uh, people, non-Christians and Christians alike. Awesome. Yeah, and, and you you and I both have just been uh, incredibly blessed when we found the same information he's talking exactly. about. Exactly. So, Russ, I want to, was there like an aha moment where there was a particular thing that made you go, mm. wait a minute, this this makes sense. This is probably true. I mean, what, what, yeah, was, what was that the one particular question? lie that made the light go on? Well, I think how easy it was to undermine the the false teachings supporting Darwinian evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I only have one teaching on Darwinian evolution. It's called the top 10 Darwinian lies in the textbooks. It's caused uh, one college to launch an accredited course attacking me in biblical creation. It caused <laughs> one biologist to quit her job, become a uh, Christian and get a job teaching in a Christian school. It's had a big impact on the people who get to see it. Uh, And really at the end of that 45 minute teaching, there's really not much to talk about about Darwinism. So it's the only one I really have on Darwinism. Uh, But the the information I saw on the frauds in the textbooks that I had been taught, that everybody under the age of 70 has been taught as if they were science, and that really lit a fire under me. Then I got into the age of the earth issues and discovered that the real issue came down to whether or not there was a global flood. The old earth beliefs are based on there never having been a global flood and the earth's crust having formed slowly and uniformly like we see today. The biblical view based on those same exact strata, the layers that make up the crust of the earth having formed quickly during a global flood. Combined with 2 Peter 3, saying that in the last days, scoffers would claim uniform processes and deny the global flood, mm-hmm. which is exactly what secular geology does. Uh, so it really came down to whether there was a flood. And, you know, you guys have been to Grand Canyon with me a few times. It's one of the five pillars of secular beliefs based on millions of years and no flood. And we actually turn that upside down and give them about two minutes and show overwhelming evidence of a global flood judgment even at Grand Canyon, one of the pillars of secular beliefs. In fact, if you look behind me, you mm-hmm. might notice, hey, it kind of looks like he's in a hotel room. Well, yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a hotel room in Phoenix, and we are meeting a group tonight for an orientation dinner. And then tomorrow we'll be going to Grand Canyon. The next day we'll do a raft trip on the Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain how layers two miles deep have been removed from above the current rim of Grand Canyon, and we'll show massive proof of that. And this is what we call our rim and raft trip. Yeah, and in the massive um, proof of that, I mean, it's it's so stone cold in your face. This is real, and it can it's just fits hand and glove. We all have the same evidence. Why is it, Russ, that you think that it's so hard for people to see the truth? We we did one one of our trips. I think we had three buses. 
Otherwise, it was like one or two buses. We did it like three or four times. I don't even remember. But the reason I love doing those trips was because the eyes, when they got opened, they can't unsee what they see. They can't unlearn what they've learned. Mm -hmm. You watch people get their eyes opened all the time. Why do you think some people end up with their eyes still closed and just reject like two plus two equals four? Because that's how, how, how plain it is right in front of your face, especially Red Butte and Cedar Butte. But that's a whole nother story. Exactly. Yeah, those are two of the biggest proofs of the global flood anywhere in the world that we show on our rim tour. The um, I think some people, um, they want to fit the secular worldview into the Bible so badly. We're talking about, uh, you know, people that are in the church. Yeah. And, you know, the the uh, the secular side, millions of years is everything to them. It's their foundation. People talk about evolution, Darwinism being a, a severe attack on Christian faith. And while it is, it's not the main attack. Darwinism is a fruit coming off of the old earth tree. Mm. The old earth beliefs are the major attack on Christianity. Um, there, you know, millions of years based on uniform processes and no global flood is the foundation of Darwinism, naturalism, humanism, modern atheism, modern agnosticism, and all the compromised positions inside the church today from theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, the age theories, Sometimes I say, hey, you know, you guys got to be careful. You might be not only denying our creator, who is Jesus Christ, and denying the judge, who is Jesus Christ, and inventing a different one. You might want to give that one some thought. Yeah. And I'm attacking those people. I used to be one. I'm here to help them and yep. to show that actually real science is on our side, the believer's mm -hmm. side. And we can read God's word and we can believe it word for word and cover to cover. So uh, the diehards, the people that inside the church that hear this information and still reject it hey that's between them and them and jesus at that point mm -hmm. in time yeah. yeah and jesus warned remember jesus warned us of the, in the last days of of tares among the wheat goats among the sheep wolves dressed as sheep we got to watch out for those those sheep that are really wolves and they are going to be there if yeah, they were not and there, they're in every they're in every church. That as soon as a church is really authentic, sharing the gospel, the flames are starting to come up. Like this church is going to immediately income the oh, yeah. enemy, and, and and they come in the form of really nice, happy, you know, good good looking people, you know, that <laughs> that you want to be friends with, and then you talk to no, them, I and you realize they're. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, we we see them a, a lot, but the, also just the you know the slow drip of of doubt and I don't want to believe what you believe, and you know you can have your truth, but that doesn't have to be my truth. And when they get in the church, um, they don't have to be in leadership. They can just be in the church and they can move around. In my church in Iowa, that the church that I serve, Jesus's church that I am I, that I serve, we have settled beliefs. But we welcome anybody to come in and have questions, and we'll share with them. What we don't do, which some Bible-type churches like ours do do, is they give credibility to all the progressives and everybody. And it's like, no, you, you don't have—this is what we believe. It's subtle truth. Here's our statement of faith. Do you, do you believe it or not? And, you know, there are, there are some people that just flat-out don't, and I respect their honesty, but I also don't want to give them the firm credibility like they're just like one of us because they're not. And they, they say so themselves. And these are some of the issues that you've been dealing with now for, for a long, long time, Russ. And your, your endurance is to be applauded because Emily and I know how bad it is behind the scenes. 
when, I mean, you can't, you, you have truth that's saving lives and pastors of evangelical churches don't want to touch you with a 10-foot pole. And that has always bugged me. Well, you know, it's it's uh, really, as you know, bothered me. But, hey, it's a battle that we're in, and it's exactly what Jesus said would happen. So um, if I was to get upset about it, I have a couple of times my wife comes up to me and says, well, you're going around telling people the Bible's true, and Jesus said this is the way it was going to be in the last days. So why are you getting upset about it? And I'm like, <laughs> I hate it when, when your wife just nails you to the wall, you know. But, yeah. uh, you know, going back to the wolves in sheep's clothing, um you know, Jesus told us how to tell uh, the wolves from, from the sheep. You, you tell by the fruit. You tell mm-hmm. by the, the uh, results of what they are teaching or saying. And the easiest way to spot a wolf, and, and those wolves dressed as sheep are going to sound like the best Christians you've ever heard in your life. They're going to speak the best Christianese you have ever seen. They might have a best-selling, number one-selling book or song or be a world-famous Christian comedian or anyone in between. But they are going to lead you. And they will, 98% of what they say is going to be right out of the Bible. But if they are leading you to a different Jesus, other than the one and only Jesus found in the Bible, who says he created in six days and rested on the seventh, who says he judged man's sin once already with a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. That would be a global flood. If they're leading you to any other Jesus, you need to run away screaming at the top of your lungs because that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And man, that'll get you in trouble saying that out loud, but that's the truth. Make Mm -hmm. sure whoever you're following only promotes the Jesus found in the Bible. Otherwise, leave them and and find a teacher that will stand on the truth. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that really opened my eyes was that you have this, you can destroy Darwinian evolution in seven seconds flat. And I want you to do that for us. And then I want to talk a little bit about it. Because for me, that was a big, not a turning point, because I, 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 you know, believe God's word and everything, but that was like, boom, it could, evolution could not possibly be true the way that they explain it. So seven seconds was like 15 years ago. I, last time we heard you talk, Russ, you shortened the time to like three or something. Oh, (laughs) we we have, and with the updated version, it's down to four seconds. There we go. Four seconds. All right. All right. Let it rip. Evolutionism. And, and in a, in a nutshell, it's, it's gene depletion plus natural selection makes Darwinism impossible. Now, that's three seconds, okay? <laughs> Be as generous as possible to the other say, side. Say it again. Say it again. Uh, this is the four-second dis- destruction of Darwinism. And ready, set, go. Gene depletion plus natural selection makes Darwinism impossible. Now, let go. me explain those terms. Gene depletion, genetic depletion. God showed this to me back in 2001, by the way. And I used to share it on college campuses. And the professors, they would email it all over the country to geneticists and all trying to figure out how do we overcome this? And they couldn't get anything to overcome it. And genetic depletion is that is a simple fact that when you have a, a variation within a kind or an adaptation or a mutation within a kind, they all result in the in from the sorting or loss of the parents' ge- genetic information. 
the parent's genetic information is passed off to the offspring and the changes, the adaptations, the variations, the mutations result in weaker and weaker gene pools, genetic depletion. Now, and that's not theory. That's scientific fact. fact right? That's a fact. That's a fact. And I was reading about that one night and it just dawned on me and God showed that to me that if they keep losing information, they're going to get weaker and weaker and eventually they will die off. Now, we call that natural selection when something dies off from getting too weak, but there is no selector standing there. That's really a misnomer. Uh, there is no such thing as natural selection. What that really is, is God's quality assurance program. <laughs> if, if things mm -hmm. went unchecked, losing genetic information, everything in the world would go extinct in about 1,500 years. But if something loses too much information through uh, loss of uh, genetic information due to adaptations, variations, or mutations, they die off and they're removed from the gene pool. So I can't, God showed this to me and I came up with gene depletion plus natural selection makes Darwinism impossible. And uh, anyways, other, other folks now teach that as well. It's not just me, but God showed that to me back in 2001. And uh, that's how I show people how to destroy Darwinism scientifically in four seconds flat and my one and only message on Darwinism, because there's just yeah. nothing to talk about after that. I, I call it the top 10 Darwinian lies in the textbooks. I explain the difference between micro which, and macro change, micro variations, adaptations, evolution, all the same thing. It's like saying I stepped out on the front deck, the front porch, front patio. The micro changes are caused by the sorting or loss of information as gene pools get weaker and weaker. Darwinian macroevolution requires massive amounts of new and beneficial genetic information added to an existing gene pool to change, let's say, a bacteria cell into a, a biology professor. And <laughs> Hard to tell the difference sometimes. <laughs> Real science knows of no way for nature to add appreciable amounts right. of right. exactly. information. It can't happen. Gene depletion plus selection make it impossible, which is why they have no evidence that it ever happened. And they will show kids examples after examples of biblically, biblically correct micro changes, adaptations, mm. variations. And they will then say these, these micro changes add up to Darwinian macroevolution without explaining the micro changes are caused by the sorting or loss of information as gene pools get weaker, not by the addition of new and massive amounts of new and beneficial genetic, not just new, new and it must have a benefit for their natural selection to choose from and, and make it carry on in the gene pool. Exactly. Now, we talked about a little bit about, you know, people in the church and why they may, after still hearing this, we're, this truth rejected but then there's a whole nother group of people and these are the people in the scientific world the atheists the secularists whatever you want to call them who are propagating it and how do they combat that because what you've just said like you you can't argue with that you can't deny that because they're truths they're facts so what's the motivation for people in the world of atheism or secularism for promoting this type of thing over the biblical creation? Why does the biblical creation have to be wrong and they're right? Well, you know, I think I think the bottom line, as you, you well know, is they don't want to submit their lives to God. 
Um, God may have their hearts darkened for whatever reason, and uh, they have really gone out on a limb. This is their life. And so some people, their hearts are hardened and, you know, you and I can show them all kinds of information. We can share all kinds of information, including the gospel, as we should do. But only the Holy Spirit is going to change a person. Mm -hmm. right. um, we don't save anybody. The Holy Spirit is going to save them or, or not save them. Uh, our job is just to get the truth and the facts and the gospel message to others. And then, you know, after we planted the seed or watered the seed, uh, we just have to hope that uh, God will choose to send the Holy Spirit to bring them home. Um, but a lot of people, you know, when I used to speak in colleges quite often, I, I would have someone come up to me after I spoke and get right in my face and say, I'm an atheist. Like, <laughs> like well, I'm so mad at me. I don't say this out loud, but I'm thinking, well, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> but, but Chris and Emily, I would look at them and I would say, you know, I don't really believe there are atheists today. I mean, with genetic information and molecular motors, come on, there can't be, you can't be an atheist. I'll bet you're really an agnostic. And every single time they hang their head and they go, yeah, I'm really an agnostic. And I think the reason they, they say atheist is because if they say agnostic, they have to explain what in the world that is. They, <laughs> yeah. It's easier just to say I'm an atheist and move on. But uh, they're really mostly all agnostics and they, they feel there is a higher power. I mean, you can't look at genetic information, molecular motors, the start of life and on and on it goes and not realize there's a higher power. So I don't really think there's that many atheists, true atheists out there. But uh, the agnostics, uh, they want to claim there's a higher power, but they're going to claim that they don't know who that is. Well, okay, you, you can show them all the molecular motors, etc., and they're going to they say, well, I already believe in a higher power, but why should I accept the, the Jesus of the Bible? And at that point in time, I think you, you have to start talking about the prophecies. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to show someone the truth of God's word, and even God's word says this, is, is by the fulfilled prophecies. You know, almost every religious text makes prophecies, and maybe maybe 20% happen and 80% don't. The Bible is like 1,700 for 1,700. And, mm. and the, the few that are left are, are either going to take place during the tribulation or are taking place right in our very eyes, especially over the last 70 years. Many, many, many prophecies that we've really a hundred years ago, I couldn't have seen how they could ever happen, have happened. And yeah. um, we're getting toward that time. But I think uh, what we do is we, we break down the science. People think science is against the Bible. My friends, 82% of the branches of modern science are started by Christians. Real mm -hmm. science is a believer's best friend. But you have to understand the difference between operational science, real science, and historical science. Real science, operational science in the Bible get along just perfectly. And the new discoveries in, in operational science always support what the Word of God says. Just like 10 times in Genesis, we're told plants or animals will bring forth after their kind. And the only thing science ever finds, operational science, is that <laughs> plants and animals bring forth after their kind. People bring forth people. Dogs bring forth dogs. You can have variations within that kind, but they mm -hmm. still use the same kind. Now, now Operational science is knowledge derived from the study and testing, repeatable testing of existing evidence. That's the findings are operational science, knowledge derived from the repeatable testing of evidences. 
Um, 82% of the branches of science again started by Christians. Historical science, however, are is not knowledge, it's assumptions. Okay. Based, based on taking operational science, usually um, processes that are taking place today, and taking those presently studied processes and applying those to events that happened in the past that are not testable, repeatable, studyable, etc. And that is where there are differences between the Bible and what's masquerading as science, not operational science. The differences are with what scripture tells us and operational, excuse me, historical science. So historical science, I'd say quite a bit of geology and actually quite a bit of biology are not operational science. They are historical science. Let's just take, let me give you a quick example. All right. Let's from a geological standpoint, if you were to take a Christian-based geology course and a secular uh, geology course, sorry, uh, 98% of what is taught is the exact same. Granite's granite, shale is shale, etc. And you can actually test a rock and say that shale, that's operational science. You can test, study, and observe that. But to say it formed 50 years ago or 50 million years ago, that's Mm -hmm. historical science. And nobody saw it happen. Well, the big thing for me and why we ended up homeschooling our kids was my uh, my oldest daughter's seventh grade biology textbooks had frauds in there that were exposed in court. Okay, in years like, ago, like in eighty five and eighty seven, <laughs> these court cases and these people came and said, "Yeah, we faked the pepper moth thing. We glued them to the tree and painted them." And we wanted some grant and, money. And, and yeah, and, and they and and that is in my daughter's brand new published this year textbook when she's in seventh grade and i'm like this is this is this is crazy so the more i started looking into it just as a knuckle dragging sports announcer at the time that's what i did for a living and i sold ads and wrote it you know wrote wrote uh, marketing plans that's what i did for i'm no i'm no scholar i'm no scientist i'm not even a theologian at that time i'm just trying to raise kids and it's just was so obvious and i got really really disgusted I got really disappointed, Russ, and that was before we met. So when we met, we were already like-minded, like, how do we get this information out? How can people hear and see this stuff and not not understand? Like, carbon dating was another one. I mean, the guy who did, like, 90% of the carbon dating that was in the textbooks at the time was in court admitting he just made up dates. Mm-hmm. Why can that not get out? Why, why can't that information get out? So... Spirit Lake at the base of Mount St. Helens in 1980, it exploded. Mount St. Helens exploded and filled that lake with timber. That timber, 25 years later, was excavated and taken and, and chopped up and sent around the world to be dated. The youngest date came back at, and you might know this better than me. I'm, pr- I'm probably quoting you and misquoting you. Um, three, <laughs> 300,000 300, years uh, was the youngest, and the oldest was like 5 billion years old or 4 million or whatever it was. They just make up numbers anyway. And it, and that's what got me. And, Emily, you, you ended up starting to homeschool our kids over this issue. Mm-hmm. And it, it all comes down to just understanding what is true and what is not. And it's so simple. It's literally 2 plus 2. I mean, it's that obvious. Yeah. Did you have a question for him? Oh, no. That, <laughs> yeah. you, were just, you were just commenting. Do you agree with me, Russ? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going somewhere, and then I got all caught up in my bitterness over it. But no, when we started speaking... in just relaxing. Yeah, when we started speaking in 2007, there was a church in Phoenix, uh, 3,000 members, and that was the year that they said... 
they can't have their adult Sunday school. Uh, they were going to do a study on Genesis. And they announced it and everything, and the study's getting ready to start, and then that's when the controversy started. So they made the wise choice, and I say wise, you know, facetiously. They made a ridiculously ignorant choice, in my opinion, to make sure that all the waters could get calm. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, and, and maybe a little 11, but nothing before that. And so as we started seeing these things, I'm like, well, certainly churches would want to hear the truth. And, you know, we've been thrown out of a lot of places, Russ, and a lot of times it's because you're with us. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that seems to happen. You know, I, I'm not, it's happen- yeah. It happened three times, okay? So yeah. they just yeah. don't want they, – they, it's like they, they, say, they say, hey, this is not a major issue. Yeah. Jesus is on the throne. Let's preach the cross. And on one hand, who wants to argue with that? But on the other, it's like, no, this is a major issue that's really creating mm-hmm. – um, People leaving the faith, like eight, and not we, believing the Bible, and not believing the Bible. When we started speaking, you would be on stage. You'd say seventy-three percent of Christian kids are leaving the faith after four years. Now that last time I heard you speak, it was eighty-one percent. So we've gone up, um, you know, roughly about ten percent in the last decade. Yeah, in fact, it's hitting close to ninety percent now. And yeah. um, unfortunately, the issue. Let's let's just talk about why it matters. So most 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 people on our side, most Christians don't understand why it matters, and that's why we haven't been standing up for the foundational issues. But let's back up for a second and look at the secular worldview versus the biblical worldview. The secular worldview is based on millions and billions of years of time. We need to realize those old earth beliefs were only invented about 200 years ago and really didn't start to become popular until about 150 years ago. They're a relatively new invention. But the fruit is, and Jesus said, you tell good from bad by the fruit. The fruit is Darwinism, naturalism, modern atheism, agnosticism. And inside the church, it's theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, day-age theories. And sometimes I'm like, wow, how many Jesuses died on that cross? Was it the theistic evolution one or the progressive creation one? Or, hey, how about the one who created in six days, rested on the seven, the judge man sin with a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven? That is the only one found in the Bible. And, yeah. and I hope if, if someone is listening, that statement I, I just point out, that only the that one biblical Jesus, that's the only real Jesus, I hope that just maybe woke somebody up to the issue. Yeah, I hope um, so too. Yeah, our side uh, has trouble understanding, well, why does it matter if God used a day or six days or six billion years? Well, number one, there is God's word, whether or not you can believe it or not. Um, but we still have trouble understanding why it matters. And what I try to point out is that the biggest issue is when did death enter the creation? The old earth beliefs invented 200 years ago put death before Adam. Hmm. And remember, the biblical view is based on Adam's sin corrupting the creation, allowing death to enter, separate us from God, recurring our redemption with him. Um, and that's my book, Cost, C-O-S yes. and Cross. Creation, mm-hmm. Original, Separation, and the Cross, Cost. Um, let, let's say, uh, ha, for the listeners, has, has anyone ever asked you, or maybe you've had this thought yourself when something horrible has happened in your life, but how can we have a loving God that allows a world full of death and suffering? Well, the, the answer is right there in Genesis 1 and 3. And the biblical answer, which I'd say 95% of Christians can't articulate today because of old earth beliefs, this is not being taught, but the biblical answer is the cost. 
And that answer is God didn't give us the world the way it is today, full of death and suffering. No, mm -hmm. God gave us a perfect sea creation. I'm looking at this picture and it's come out backwards. So I'm going to try to do it backwards. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're mirrored. You're yeah. mirrored. Your image. Okay. So the sea is creation. God gave us a perfect creation. There was no death and suffering in it. Well, what in the world happened? It's full of death and suffering today. That's the O. Adam's first sin. It was Adam's original sin that brought on the curse that allowed death and suffering to enter. So that's why we live in a world full of death and suffering, yet we have a loving God. Now, that's the biblical answer. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And it's right there in Genesis 1 and 3. But the answer should go further than that. How loving is that God? Well, that original sin that allowed death to enter and corrupted the creation also separated us from God, and that required us to be redeemed with him. However, we've got a problem now because we're all sinful, and to be redeemed with God, you have to be 100% sinless your whole life, uh, righteous, 100%. Uh, and we can't do that. We're born with a sin nature. I mean, have you ever said something that wasn't true? Uh, even a little white lie? Well, now you're a liar. When you stand before a righteous God, you're going to be found guilty. Uh, have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you, even a paper clip or a sticky note? Well, now you're a thief. We've talked about this for 10 seconds, and I think we've all admitted we're a bunch of lying thieves and we haven't even got started. So we cannot redeem ourselves with God. So how loving is God? He sent his only begotten son to suffer and die on a cross, his perfectly sinless shed blood covering the sins of those that, and all he asks is that we believe in him. We accept mm -hmm. him as Lord and Savior, and we are then redeemed with him eternity in heaven that's the cost creation yeah. original sin, separation and the cross the need for redemption now in the and, book i see you're holding that up it covers mm -hmm. the <laughs> beliefs yeah it's kind of waving around i'm trying to get it centered on the camera <laughs> and then my, then my fat sausage my fingers are in the way <laughs> give me a paper bag but uh, <laughs> I appreciate the effort, though. Uh, it covers, you realize, it covers a lot of things. It covers the top 10 Old Earth beliefs. And since Jesus said you tell good from bad by the fruit, it covers the top 10 Darwinian teachings. And then it cover, finishes up with the, with the top 10 uh, evil fruit of these beliefs and the top 10 reasons to believe um, God's word, word for word and cover to cover. And overwhelming evidence of the global flood, which destroys every old earth belief. Awesome. That is so awesome. Now, here's the good thing, because you've got these raft tours going. You've got the book, The Cost or Cost. Um, but then you also have a curriculum that you created. How's that going? Tell us about that. Well, it's going well. It's I was contacted by Northwest Christian School of Phoenix, Arizona, and they have received what's called exemplary accreditation status. And what that relates, the, the end result of that, I should say, is when, when a public school kid takes one of their online courses, their courses uh, can be used for a credit toward high school, public high school graduation. So they asked me if I'd put together this creation evolution course based on my book, Cost. We worked about a year and a half on that. And now, kids, anyone in the world can take the class, but public high school kids anywhere in the U.S. can take that course online. It's an 18-week course. It's a full course. And they can actually get a public school credit that will help them graduate high school. And they can learn all of this information 
in depth. It's uh, again, based on my book cost. It incorporates mm -hmm. all my, my videos in through the course and mm -hmm. dozens of written articles I've, I've had or within the course and kids will graduate that knowing the information as well as, as I do. And it's I love uh, it. awesome. Awesome. Uh, now, give, let's give out that information again. Uh, if somebody's listening right now and they want to get in touch with that curriculum, where would they go? Would they go to creationministries.org? No, the best thing to do, because I put it together for the school, it's the school's yeah. course, okay. is, is to get a hold of Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, Arizona, and ask them how they can get information on that course, how they can take that course. Well, okay, before we go to good. final thoughts, I do want to talk one one little thing here is that um, you went for a, like a long time with no income off this ministry. And thank God Miller and Associates made you, you know, wealthy enough to, to withstand that decade that was brutal. But the whole time you had made all of your books and all of your material, all of your videos. And, and, you know, we're going back to like coming out of VHS into DVD land. I mean, that's how far back Russ goes with it. And you made all of your material non-copyright intentional. I know that Kent Hoven used to do this with his creation ministry. I know that Ray Comfort does that with a lot of his, if not all of his stuff. What was the driving factor uh, for you to say, hey, I just, I'm not going to care about this. I'm going to trust God. We just got to get the information out. And so, like, if I got a thumb drive from you, I can copy that for a thousand people if I want to, you know, no big deal. And, and you've made that decision. Is that still the way you do business? Or ministry, oh, I should do. say. Um, I do have a special copyright so that nobody can take my information, copyright it themselves, and then tell me I can't use it. Right. But I, I let people make all the copies of our DVDs and thumb drives that they want. It's really easy with the thumb drives because you just down. I have one thumb drive has over a thousand items on it. Another has over eight hundred items on it. One has. Um, our five DVD set, uh, my book costs, our two coloring books, the Noah's Ark and Dinosaurs and Endowed by Their Creator. And anyways, people can just make files and download all those onto their computer mm -hmm. and then copy, click and send them to anybody they want. I wish that they would. My goal is to um, is to get this information out. It would make me the happiest person on earth. Why every... Uh, Every high school and college kid in the nation has not at least seen our top 10 Darwinian lies in the textbooks is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it gets blocked inside of the Christian circles because of compromises with old earth beliefs. Yeah. And you tell good from bad, by, by the, the fruit. fruit. By the that fruit. Should that should be a done deal right there. Um, but every time I show that uh, to a group of high schoolers or, or, or college kids, I am just surrounded by kids afterwards tell me how, man, I was never going to go to church again, but now I'll be back in church next Sunday. It's a life changer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when yeah. kids see how badly they've been lied to in the public yeah. schools and colleges, it really can light a fire under them. That's basically what happened to myself. Yeah. And adults as well, like you said, for yourself, uh, one testimony that we just one of many is a lady named Angela who was going, who came to one of our events, uh, Russ, that you came to do while we were in Michigan, we they used did to be together. called facts or fiction facts conferences. Facts or fiction, yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. she said, yeah. she called us later and she said, you know, I showed up, I was going to start an argument with you. She said, but once you guys started laying out all the evidence, she said, my eyes were opened. And she gave her, she actually 
rededicated her life to Christ, realizing that she, you know, had become a Christian, but she had turned the wrong way and she was going down the wrong road. And so God brought her back through your ministry. So thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for being on the show. Any final thoughts you want to leave with us today, Russ? What would you want to leave the audience today? Well, I guess I would leave the audience with the fact that uh, real science is on the believer's side. Uh, It's historical science, not operational science. Operational science is on our side. Real science, historical science is another issue. That's where we have issues with what's masquerading the science. Mm -hmm. Um, But real science is on our side. As you mentioned, Angela, she saw that. We had a biology teacher I mentioned earlier, saw our, our top 10 Darwinian lies and quit her job, became a Christian. <laughs> the, the information is on our side. We just need to get it out there. And Chris, going back to why you, you asked me why I, I don't, I, I let people make copies is we're a ministry. Our goal is yeah. to get this information out there. Yeah. And I wish uh, people, someone would get a hold of just the top 10 Darwinian lies and, and get it out to a million people and have them give out copies. It would make a huge impact on our nation and around the globe. And a lot of times people will say, well, you got to get this to the youth. Hey, anyone under the age of 70, we're now yeah. in our 60th year of mm-hmm. kicking creation and prayer out of our schools. Uh, the, the eve of that dreadful decision, two out of three high school kids believe the Bible is true in 1962. We are number one in the world in, in education, science, math, technology, military power, standard of living, economy, etc., how are we doing now 60 years later? Our schools rank in the bottom 15% in the industrialized world. We're yeah. how many trillions in debt? Anyone under the age of 70 now has been taught the evolutionary lie. So adults need to see it as well. Yes. Top Darwinian lies in the textbooks or my book costs. They're both uh, life changers. Awesome. awesome. Okay, well, that's going to do it for Russ Miller. Russ, thank you so much for being on our show. You're going to be a reoccurring regular guest. You've been with us for so long, um, and it's just it's fun. But <laughs> um, i got to tell you, uh, one of my favorite phone calls of the last three or four years was, uh, it was post-pandemic, and you called me, and I answered the phone, and you said, if things keep getting worse, I'm going to have to change my pre-tribulation rapture stance. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that call? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, no, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate, appreciate you and Emily and we've done a lot of neat things together. God's allowed us to do some neat things over the years. We've done Grand Canyon tours. We've done conferences. Uh, you used to have me on your radio program all the time. And so I enjoyed uh, speaking with you guys and sharing yeah. and I appreciate all your efforts, uh, to serve our Lord. Appreciate well, you and, guys. Yeah. And that pre-tribulation rapture comment is, uh, the fact that it's getting so bad, Jesus should have already returned. And and you know that I come from more of a pan trip, like it's going to pan out the way God wants it to anyway. And that I'm worried that many people have their eyes on a rapture and not on Jesus. That's always my fear when it comes to tribulation rapture theories. But it is getting bad out there, and this is one of the main reasons why. I shouldn't say it's getting bad. It's gotten bad. The darkness is enveloping the country right now, and we're just trying to shine our little light as best we can. And may you stay faithful in that, bro, yeah. because you literally change lives on a day-by-day basis. You really do. So God bless you, and thank you so much for being on the show again. 
God bless you guys, too, and hope to speak with you soon. Have a great day. Awesome. Awesome. Stay right here with Emily and Chris. We are back with No Apology. A panel discussion is coming up around the corner, and Emily's going to play right on, way off with that panel discussion. So we want you to keep it right here. Well, that's an old... Where are they going to (laughs) go? Don't touch that dial. I mean, that doesn't exactly work anymore, does it? (laughs) No apology with Emily and Chris. Freshroadmedia.com. Yeah, we're that old. Welcome back to No Apology with Emily and Chris. Don't forget all things related to the show and all things related to my podcast, my teaching podcast, Bible Idiots, is also right there at freshroadmedia.com. So much to do, so little time. It's We are in studio now with Mike Shaw and, of course, Chris, next best thing to Santa Claus. And another one, another guest is joining us, Jeremiah Beaker. He's been on the show before, coming back again. So how's, glad to have you with us. How's it going, and guys? It's going really good. I want to jump right in. And my favorite, favorite part of the show, right on, way off. You want to play, Jeremiah? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Had me worried for a second. A little hesitant. I'm like, uh, well, is yeah. he on board? <laughs> well, you know, Jeremiah, we asked you if you just do right on way off with us today because we know there's so much stuff that we can talk about in the future. But Russ Miller took up the lion's share of the show today, and yet we still wanted to play right on way off. Absolutely. And Emily's like, would you be one of my panelists? And I'm like, I like panelists. Yeah. Okay, the more so the merrier. There's right? Emily. And there's the pips. There we go. <laughs> Emily. That's awesome. And us. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Right, right. on, way so. off. The rules of the game are very simple. I'm just going to throw out a statement. I've got three of them today. And then I will choose the panelists in the order in which I wish. And you can tell me whether these statements to you are either right on or way off. Good deal. Where are we and, going first, uh, teacher? First, we are going to... <laughs> well, since I'm constantly uh, 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 I was going to do but now I don't uh, I, I'm not sure <laughs> Where are you going? Since I'm surrounded by so much testosterone yeah, yeah. here yeah. Uh, Let's go to the sporting Sorry. world, shall oh, we? Let's. let's go to the sporting world And who's up first? Uh, here's the statement You tell me if you agree or not We're going to start with Chris All right, do we ring in? Do we buzz oh, in? Oh, we That'd should get great. buzzers. <laughs> we need buzzers. Yeah. And buzzers with a long enough cord to get to everybody. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? I sure. think we need cash prizes. <laughs> 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 I, don't know. Yeah, I got some change we jingling got prizes. in my purse <laughs> yeah, right. if you we want. We got prizes for you, but there ain't... There's you know, no cash. You know, there's okay. a town nearby. It's called Panama. <laughs> a trip to Panama. There you yeah. go. Well, Jacksonville's not far from here either. All right, all right, yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Emily. Who? What's your? What's your? What's your statement? Question and then number we'll one or statement number one? Rock climbing, surfing, and auto racing—they're really the only three real sports. Everything else is just a game. <laughs> I'd like to go first. <laughs> is that right on or way off? And we'll go to the peanut gallery first, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. What do you Thank think? You. Right on, that, way off. That is right on. That Why? is right on. That is a statement that I've been told since I was a kid when I first got behind the wheel of a go-kart. Is that this is the real sport that you're, you know, everything else is just a game. It's kind of a catchphrase, but it's kind of true. Sporting is the firm definition of sporting 
is not a ball and stick and puck games. I'm just saying. So I'm going to go right on, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Now, I could feel the dissension in the room yeah. <laughs> just in my peripheral. Was it me doing this? Mike Shaw. <laughs> Mike Shaw. All right, Mike. All the rest are just games. Right on or way off? Uh, can you hit that buzzer thing again, Chris? Way off. Way off. <laughs> and why? Well, I mean, uh, because I could name all kinds of sports and, and yeah. games and sports. and. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, football. Yeah. Football. Football's a game. Football's yeah. a game. Yep. Right. And it's a tough game. It's it a is. tough game. Now, people will disagree with me, but soccer is a game. Yeah. It's called no, it's called the beautiful game. The beautiful yeah. game. Yeah. Known as football around do, do the world. Do you notice they're all ending with the word game? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So when I ran track, I went to track meets. Yeah, oh, there you go. And I see. ran track. Mm. And I did the long jump, which was the long jump. So wouldn't you have to include yeah. track and field in yeah. the, yeah, track and field. In Come the on. sporting section of the not the game? How about jousting? Jousting's a sport. Surely right? you joust. <laughs> <laughs> Don't All right. call me Shirley. Let's Jeremiah. go. Let's go to Jeremiah. Uh, cl- rock climbing. Just to recap here, rock climbing, surfing, and auto racing are the only three real sports. Everything else is just a game right on or way hmm. off. Well, considering I've only done uh, one of those, I don't know that I can. Uh, I'll probably frustrate some, you know, some surfers here uh, as well as some uh, NASCAR you know, uh, fans. But you're in a safe I'm gonna space. Go with, what's that? I said you're in a safe space. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to go with Mike on this one. Ah. Um, you know, unless, of course, there was a uh, target practice, you know, as a sport. Um, you know, I, I do like... <laughs> target I do like shooting. Shooting, target shooting, shooting could guns, go in there. So. See, yeah. there's a lot right. of other ones. Yeah. There's a lot of other ones. So, right. So, right. Jeremiah, you're, you're way off on that. I'm going to have to go way off. Way, way off. off. All right. to, and I'm, with, I'm obviously with Mike and Jeremiah. Why that, is that? That's way off because I don't know, but I want to. I, I, because, because it just is. <laughs> right. I know this, right. but I want to know. No, no. I guys, know. everybody, quiet. Once she lays out, because it's over. It's over. I, Forget okay. it. Because I said we're done. We're done. Because I said. Because I said. But I want to know which one you did, Jeremiah. Let me guess. Yes. Rock climbing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> did you do Mike climbing? Uh, rock? Mike climbing. <laughs> Mike climbing. Did you do Mike climbing rock? Did you do Did you do rock climbing, Mike? I did not. You have mm. never done that. I have Ooh. not. I did no. But you have bungee jumped off a cliff. Yeah, mm, on off TV. A, off a, uh, off a off a crane. Crane. Off a crane. Hundred fifty yeah. foot crane. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather go rock climbing. Yeah, but I've gone rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, that goes in the file of Mike Shaw will do anything to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. All right, we're moving on to number two. Number two, still keeping in the worlds of in the world of sports because you know surfer dudes. Right here's where they all hang out. All but right. we're moving over to hockey. Ooh, good hockey. You question. can listen to this. Listen to this quote. Okay. You can be a Christian, be a hockey player. And get in a fight on the ice all at the same time. Right on or way off. Mike Shaw, let's go to you. Correct. That is right on. (laughs) Right Right on. 
We need a beefier, <laughs> a beefier right answer than right on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. That's a little Tinkerbell. Uh, is it? Yeah, is it, it is. How about angel singing? <laughs> there I was on the ice, and I was racing for the puck. And I said, and he hit oh, me Lord. from the side. I must drop my gloves. I must drop my gloves, Lord. <laughs> he deserved it. I was enforcing for my team. Yeah. There we go. All right. We're going to go to Jeremiah. <laughs> we're going to go to Jeremiah. You can be a Christian. You can be a hockey player. And you can get in a fight on the ice all at the same time, right on or way off. Well, that sound effect, I think, would uh, my mind imagine the guy that was that got smoked on the, you know, on the ice and is laying there and the sound effect just happens. Right. He's looking up. Uh, I, (laughs) right. Sorry. That's hilarious. So So are you right on or way off, bro? I'm going to say right on, but I'm also going to say that you can also be uh, on the hockey rink and get in a fight and not be a Christian as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. As long as you're fighting, you're good. Yeah. As long as you're fighting. <laughs> fighting for Jesus. Yes. Right. Chris, right on or way off? I am right on. Uh, I th- th- This was uh, uh, something that I want. Mike Fisher. Did anybody know the name Mike Fisher? Ooh, it sounds familiar. He was the captain of the Predators hockey team for years. He, oh, married, he married Carrie Underwood. That's where a lot of people know him from. Oh, I know okay. him from the hockey world. Yeah. But uh, Mike Fisher, he was the captain of the team, and he would get in fights. Well, he was K-Love's man of the year, and then he got in a big fight, um, rightfully so. <laughs> I mean, you get you have no idea, yeah. unless you've played hockey, yeah. what it's like to be on these little inch blades going as fast as you can, mm-hmm. trying to find this little solid rubber puck while people are hacking at you with lumber. Right, right. It gets annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Temperatures rise <laughs> on and the so, ice. You know, and again, a hockey fight is not the same as a regular fight. Yeah, you're not Mickey isn't. Cruz and so, the, you know, yeah. pulling a switchblade. Yeah, here, yeah you're not, so, not across the switchblade. Yeah. But no, I mean, I know that there are Christians in the in the NHL and in, in the minor leagues, and it's just it's part of the game. Yeah. It's part of the game. It, you you yeah. check hard. You 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 know you you do stick checks hard, and sometimes you throw elbows. Sometimes you throw hands. It's just part of it. So yeah. I am right on. All right. Well, I have to be right on because our granddaughters love hockey, particularly our youngest, Quinn. Hockey's one of her favorite things, so we would take her to the Alabama Bulls games. Birmingham Bulls. Birmingham Bulls. Sorry about that. Birmingham Birmingham Bulls hockey games, which were really fun. And of course, it's in the South and it's part of the Bible Belt. So they would have Faith Night at the hockey game. Oh, that's right. Which that's was right. so fun. Listen to this story. And so we would take the girls, and it wasn't, you know, this huge auditorium, so a lot of times the girls would end up on the Jumbotron. Yeah, 3,000 people is what it said. So fun. Well, it's faith night at the hockey game, and of course fights are breaking out, and the announcer's making the announcements, and pretty soon our two granddaughters, they were what ages, like Ten and eight. No, that's what their ages are now. Nine they were like they were like seven and five. Seven or, and yeah. six yeah, and four, somewhere something. in there. Anyway, six, anyway. yeah. Anyway, uh, so our granddaughters are getting into it. And pretty soon, I look to the side, and our granddaughters are just like fight, 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 <laughs> and they're pounding the the floorboards with oh their little feet and everything. And then the announcer breaks in. Welcome to Faith Night at the Bulls Hockey <laughs> Arena. It was kind of a surreal <laughs> moment in time. <laughs> See my granddaughters fight, fight, well, fight, fight, faith night. Yeah, at it was actually youth group night. 
you know, oh, the whole tra- the whole crowd's chanting "fight, fight, fight," and there's like five guys getting hauled to the penalty <laughs> box. <laughs> and right at that moment, the announcer goes, "We'd like to welcome youth groups from across Birmingham." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was fun. It's one of those it you had fun. to be there. Yeah, yeah they're, right. they're pretty a... padded up. I'll give them that. Is there so. another story from that trip that you like to tell sometimes, Chris? Oh yeah, I told. <laughs> that's the same game. That's the same game. Really? What yeah. was that? When they're at the well, restaurant? They, they, no, we we oh, okay. we have this. Um, they have four-sided, brand-new, uh, like, video board at this 3,000-seat arena in Birmingham where the Birmingham Bulls play. And they have, like, a seven-camera setup. I mean, this is a big deal for minor, minor, minor yes. league hockey, right? <laughs> minor, minor, minor. <laughs> so they are they are between, you know, like, when they scrape the ice or, you know, diff- different times, there's there's different things going on. They did a lot of crowd shots. And so the odds of you – and our daughters, our granddaughters were dancing on there at one point or yeah. even two or three times they made it on the screen. Yeah, that's good. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there watching the, the scores. They're doing the, the, the song stuff, and everybody's bouncing around. And, and all of a sudden, I see this guy on there, and he looks very, like, similar to me. Like, I mean – but he was really kind of fat. He was just a fat dude. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I feel bad for that guy because he kind of looks like he could look like me. But, I mean, he's like 350 pounds. You know, I felt bad for him. Yeah. And then in a split second later, I realized, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me on the screen. That's that's so and, Standing in line for a hot dog. Because you know how when you're on the screen for a yeah. second and then the camera kind of moves a little bit and you see the people next to you? Uh-huh. While it was on me for a second, I'm thinking that. And it moved a little bit and I saw Emily and the granddaughters. Oh, and I'm like, wait. oh, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. I have... I, this has not turned out the way I so, thought it was well, going to. Well, you know what they say. <laughs> the camera adds like 70 yeah. pounds. Wow. Or you know what yeah. I like to say to that is, how many cameras are on you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. say, that was the same game. That was the same game. All, All right, right, let's get back Last on track. Last question. We are going to start with Jeremiah. Here's a quote. Tell me what you think with right on or way off. Talking about God, it says he loves us, not because there is something in us that attracts him to us. He loves us because he determined to love us in spite of our unattractiveness. Is that right on or way off? I don't know. I work pretty hard every day so that God will love me. I'm going to have to go, wait a minute, what was the question again? (laughs) (laughs) He loves us not because there is something in us that attracts him to us. He loves us because he has determined to love us in spite of our unattractiveness. You know, if I'm being honest, like going deep with that, I feel like that's where my mind wants to go because um, I'm not going to go super deep with it. But here's the thing. you know, when No, God go ahead. Go deep, man. Image, do what you got to do. Yeah. Oh, and I think about when God created us in his image. What did that exactly look like? And why did he create us? You know, sometimes people say, oh, he created us for a relationship. So he needed a relationship. You know, in my mind, I think, okay, if, we, if we're created in God's image, God himself is not just uh, one person in a sense. It's like he's like a tripart being. Mm-hmm. So have you ever talked to yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you're, you're, you're talking, it's the same person. You're just talking in your mind to yourself. You know, we see a lot of evidence of this throughout the Bible, you know, when the Tower of Babel, you know, when God said, let us go down, you know, let us go down. Was he talking to the angels there or was he talking to himself? You know, when God, you know, in the, you know, in Genesis right there in the beginning, you know, when he said, let us create mankind in our image. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I think, okay, God is a plural being Mm -hmm. and we are plural beings. So 
he is fully a relationship with, with uh, in and of himself. He doesn't need us. So God didn't create us just for relationship with us. It's like we need him, but it's like we're a picture of how how what God looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess the whole point is I don't want to make us be dependent on God, you know? Uh, but I do think that he did create us. You know, with what do you mean by lot, you don't want you don't want us to be dependent understand. on God? Because some that could be taken out of context real quick. You don't want us to oh, be dependent on I, God. Did I, I say it the other way. Or, yeah, you said I you don't want us to be around. dependent on God. God. To be dependent I don't want us. God to be dependent on us. That's oh what yeah, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Glad I clarified because that was a big matzo ball you hung out there, man. Very good. Very good. First way, Chris. Right on. Right on. We'll get to that later in the show. All right. Uh, let's go to Mike Shaw. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Do you remember the quote? Do you need me, need me to repeat it? Or? Yeah, I'll repeat it. I, th- right. I think I got it, but I think. He yeah. loves us, not because there is something in us that's attracted to him. He loves us because he has determined to love us in spite of our unattractiveness. Yeah, so, I mean, that's right on, right? Yep. I mean, yep. that's mm-hmm. kind of the gospel message, you know. When, uh, when Adam sinned and, and sin came into the world, uh, the Bible says that before we come to Christ, we are at enmity with God. Yeah. We, are, we are actually God's enemy mm-hmm. until we come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, you know, it's not anything I did. Um, it's everything that Jesus did. And then I accept what he did. And then we can be friends, and then we can talk, and then we can hang out. There you go. Because you can't be in God's presence. He's holy. Mm-hmm. So you can't have anything unholy can't survive in his presence. Uh-huh. So I have to have the righteousness of God to be able to make it there. To stand in front of him. And yeah. that's a gift from Jesus. Yeah, yeah, very amen. good. Amen. All right, Chris. What? Right on way off. <laughs> I'm sorry. You you go me you, you do me last. I got to hear the question again. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, most people just say, "Can I hear the question one more time?" All right. He well, loves most times us. you don't get you know blowback when you ask for the question. I know that you're always looking for every single word to just Dissect. make sure. Yeah, exactly. So I would be happy to do that for you. He loves us not because there is something in us that attracts him to us. He loves us because he determined to love us in spite of our unattractiveness. I'm going to go way off. Ah, you knew why? I would. Yeah. Why? Because I don't like the question at all. I think the question has a bunch of leading stuff in it that has to be defined, and then I think it contradicts itself. Well, it's just... <laughs> Does he love us? Yes. The, the key is that he first loved us. Mm-hmm. Whether he finds me attractive or not... I don't know. We both don't find the fat guy at the hockey game attractive, so that we got that. <laughs> I think you answered your own question right there. <laughs> so, so the reality is, is that he loved us with a love we can't comprehend, and he's our creator, he's our God, he loves us. I can't imagine him finding us unattractive, and he finds us as, I look at it like, when our child or grandchild or even our dogs do something that's just so off-putting, mm-hmm. but we still love them. Yep. You know, we still love them. So I think that God's going to love me with a love that I can't describe. And because he f- loved me first, that is all the difference. While, the Bible says in Romans, while I was yet a sinner. And in other words, in my filthiest moment, my worst time, he still loved me. 
And that it, does that make me way off or right on with that question? I don't even know. Well, but I think that's you almost my stance. sounded like you were right on there as you were describing Well, it, the question but... kind of leans itself a little bit towards like what Jeremiah was saying. Like maybe we have something to say about it and our yeah, attractiveness right. helps God. Right. That's not what the question says. I'm just saying no, there's a vibe. No, the actual opposite, opposite of that. Right. Um, he doesn't love us because he's attracted to us. He loves us because he determined to love us. He made his mind up. He knew our days from before he created us. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he knew. He knew he had all this foreknowledge, but he determined that, no, he's going to do this, and he did it. The quote actually goes on to say, and this might actually clarify it for you a little so bit. So am I way off on like a Tozer or C.S. Lewis quote or something? <laughs> uh, John MacArthur. John MacArthur. He goes on yeah. to say. That's, that's Jeremiah's favorite guy. It's, but here's this, this, the rest of it, it the rest of it really, um, I think kind of will probably help you. It says, it's a love we don't deserve. Mm? Uh-huh. A uh, love, hang on, hang on. Let me get let me get this set. <laughs> One second. Say it again. It's a love we don't deserve. A love that will never end. And it's a love that perseveres even when we fail him. And that's where the quote I think is totally right on because <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's so heavenly. Were you trying to make a point, Emily? (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Uh, It helps clarify because, um, yeah, I was trying to make a point. It's a love that never ends. And if it Mm -hmm. was a love that was dependent or or in part because he was attracted to us, our failures, our sinfulness Mm -hmm. would wipe that out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's a love that perseveres even when we fail and it's a love that doesn't end. Mm-hmm. So in our sinfulness, if it was that, if it was contingent on anything good in us, God's love would have the possibility of ending. But it doesn't. Mm. Once we are reconciled to him, yeah, great point. once really we are good. reconciled to him, it mm-hmm. there is no end. Mm-hmm. There is no end to that love. And it is because he's determined to do it. He said what he has said he will do, he will do. He is faithful even when we are not. And that concludes right on, way off. Right on. Everybody passes. <laughs> All right, good A deal. for the day, everyone, to the head of the class. That's right. Very gold good. stars, good deal. too. Huh? What, gold what? stars. You get gold stars. Yeah, gold oh, stars. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah, gets yeah, gold, gold stars. stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeremiah, it's your first time on the panel with Emily, Emily's panel. Um, and uh, how did it go? How do you feel? You, oh, on the right on way off. Yeah, yeah. How, how did, panel, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy <laughs> yourself? <laughs> okay. Is, is it well, easier I, than just know, being on with by yourself, or it's the same thing? Doesn't matter. Nah, not, not too much. You know, put it this way: like uh, the questions. Well, you know, if I wrote the questions, they might be a little bit more, you know, specific to me. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's the same thing if you ask me. So yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> Yeah, can well, we afford to hire Jeremiah to write these well, questions? Yeah, maybe. And, and, we, don't, do and we don't need to. We don't need to limit to three. But here's the here's the here's the rationale behind it. We want to have apologetic type questions and biblical based questions. We want to have Christian living type questions. We want to have cultural watching the cultural type questions. We want to have fun. We want to talk about food, mm-hmm. movies, books, and just try to have a little bit of uh, back and forth, different yeah. perspectives. Well, and, and that lo- last question, I think Emily really highlighted no, no, no. the fact. Me- oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is, like, NASCAR, you know, like yeah. racing and stuff like that. 
you know, obviously I know you guys, you know, mm-hmm. and so that would be like, <laughs> of course it makes sense being part of the question. And, and, and yes, there, no, there's, there's a lot that uh, speak to your guys's personalities. Well, um, and, and, and when you write it. the questions, like the last one you had there, Emily, yeah. you, you can take those questions and dissect them yeah. and, and, and turn them. And, ch- and again, you know, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. And that's what makes good debates and all yeah. kinds of different things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I love Bible teaching where God's love for us really becomes crystal clear. You know what I mean? And so when you really look at like sometimes we tend to think, well, we're pretty good. You know, God. Mm. God will, At least God not should as bad love as Mike me Shaw. I, yeah, <laughs> God should love me because I'm just God. not that bad. Literally. That kind of makes God's love not that valuable. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Very good point. And so yeah. I love those teachings where all of a sudden it kind of hits home where God's love is is like we can't sometimes hardly even fathom it. Yeah. The more we realize we don't deserve it, yeah. the more precious it becomes. Mm-hmm. And because God... Um, because God's love is so precious to us, then that's our motivation to hang on to the love that we would have for other people, the love that we have for even the Lord, because mm-hmm. in, in Revelation it talks about how some, their love, their first love for the Lord will grow cold. Mm-hmm. And so how do we do that? How do we keep our love for one another, for the Lord? How do we keep it from growing cold? Well, that's a great question. I mean, are we doing that question now? I don't know. Well, sure. I'm right on. (laughs) Let's not let our love grow cold. (laughs) Is that that Emily going, I'm for Clint? Discuss. (laughs) Discuss amongst yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think one of the reasons, one of the things that we need to keep keep our eyes and ears on is um, our inputs. Mm -hmm. And I have a message based on the Six Sigma concept. And the Six Sigma concept is a manufacturing concept where what you you want this product to come out like you want this pen to come out of the assembly line. What do you got to do? Well, you got to pick, you know, the color blue plastic. You got to have all. You got to have the right ink. You got to have so all the inputs that got to come in to create this output. And what people need to understand is that when you put a bunch of garbage in your head mm-hmm. all the time, all the content that you're listening to, your outputs are going to be very similar. We used to do 30-day Christian radio challenges, like yeah. let your radio dial not go to anything but Christian radio because that input will help affect your output. They didn't explain it that way, but that's the way we have always explained it. And that's legitimate. No and politics. So that's uh, <laughs> No, politics, same thing. I mean, it, yeah. it, your inputs affect your outputs. They and do. so. You you want to try to make sure that that's why re- putting writing God's word on your heart, reading your Bible every every yeah. day is every important. Day. Yeah, you know it's it's so that we can present ourselves as approved workmen yeah. for the King. Now I got a question for Jeremiah because right. like for us old fogies here at the table, um, it's easier for us to look over our lives and say, hey, um, we're seeing in our culture. Love is growing cold. There's a lot less respect that people have for one another. There's a lot more issues and problems in the public square, a lot more social issues. I mean, things like incarceration and things like that are just booming right now. But then I wonder, you know, let's look at someone from a younger generation, someone not as old as us, like you, Jeremiah, and this is what I'm going to ask you. Okay. Just over your lifetime, Jeremiah, have you seen a decline in culture, have you seen a decline among like your peers going from your parents to your generation and now to the future generation? What do you see? 
do you see that same thing? Are you calling me young? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Straight up, bro. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You came in here with sawdust on right. your shirt. That yeah. makes you yeah. young. You're, any, anybody in, in this in this room, anybody under fifty is yeah, young. Okay. That's right. And uh, you know, you got three small kids. I don't think you're thirty yet, are you? If I shaved my beard off, I'd really look young. Uh, yeah, that's I bet true. you would. That's true. Yeah. My son's thirty-four. But so. answer, just an idea. But to answer your question, um, you know. You know, I think about that a lot, like my parents, okay, like my parents' generation, the old generation. The old. And I think about them and how things have evolved uh, until now. And it's like, okay, they say things like, well, you know, I didn't know a single person who was divorced. And I'm like, I, I know quite a few. I mean, and I would say yeah. that probably from my childhood has become even more normal than mm -hmm. it is today. Um, yeah. and, and so other things like uh, how many people came out of the closet back then? Well, probably mm -hmm. more than the divorce back then, you know, but uh, until now, like probably a lot. And then it's like okay. from my childhood until, you know, where I'm at now, uh, I'm going to say a lot more, mm -hmm. you know. And so you name it, there's I would say there's a lot of things, you know, and even like I was just talking to somebody today and they were talking about the churches and how the churches and I've kind of just noticed this over the last couple of years, um, you know, with, with the whole uh, China plague, but basically the churches, you know, began to, oh, this is almost like a breaking point for a lot of churches where, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, Oh, it's almost like, it was almost like a relief in a way because now people don't have to go to church and then it kind of falls apart. So a lot of churches fell apart, yeah. um, mm -hmm. but there was also this progression of churches dwindling down. And I think, I think there's a lot of good and bad to that too. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of fake science, a lot of stuff that they're they're uh, force feeding, indoctrinating kids in college and all that, um, or just in school in general. Um, right. You, which which contributes to this. Um, not having God in school would be another example. Um, True. But you know, another thing I was going to say is um, you've got all this this religion that people are they're seeing the other side of it and they're going, this is a bunch of BS, mm -hmm. and so they're leaving. And so I think that's a good thing, but unfortunately, it's like you know when a Mormon leaves Mormonism, you know if they don't have the good quality, like what does the good fruit taste like? If they don't go to the good fruit, they just they just throw all the fruit out in general, and they just they just walk away in general. And right. so I'm I'm afraid that it has done the very thing that you're saying. You know, maybe it, just in my lifetime, it has gotten really a lot worse. Yeah, um, I think I think yes, I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just heard a commentary the other day that 20 percent of the like high school generation, the youngest generation right now, um, identify as LGBTQ plus. Yeah. 20 percent. That's a, that that is a ex, uh, I just did the research for the sermon this Sunday, by the way. <laughs> and so it's that's an inflated number. But that's a whole nother. Well, it. it we're up from 1.5% in 1998 to 7.2% in 2015. Right. So, yeah, that was eight years ago. Did it jump that much? Uh, yeah, because I think there's yeah. been a lot of recruiting oh, going yeah. on. Oh, Grooming and recruiting, and, and grooming so and recruiting. So then, then there— Propaganda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it widens this this chasm of how we relate to our neighbor, how we relate to our friends, our coworkers, and our classmates or whatnot— and there's a lot of division and a lot of div uh, divisiveness. And so how do you 
how do you keep that caring alive? How do you keep that, I need to share the gospel, I need to stay on fire, I need to stay focused, and do what God's called me to do, and not just give up and, oh, that, you know, they're millennials, they just don't get, you know what I mean? And, and not grow weary and tired of doing good and the things that God's called us to do. What do you do, Jeremiah, to maintain or to keep that flame in burning hot so that you so that your witness continues well i was curious if you're gonna ask me because we got a whole team here but i would say personally um Mm -hmm. i don't there's nothing like how do i say this it's like something ignited in me when i chose to surrender my life to jesus kind of like we talked about a few weeks back and when when that happened it's like okay the veil is removed and now i become a new life in christ and so mm-hmm. i'm beginning to mature and grow i'm a new creation and it's like god's heart is my, like is my heart now mm. you know i my old my old heart died you know so now i'm this new life and i actually care about these things mm. and it hurts me to see the culture going in a direction that goes against my heart wait my heart is god's heart so it hurts my heart when I see the culture going away from what I know deep down, it, it hurts, you know, it goes against what God wants. Yeah. So I can't help myself. That's, that's really, <laughs> you know, how do I do it? Well, first off, you know, he's something inside of me is basically like, yeah. you know, it just, it just like a magnet drawing me in that direction. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm sure there's it. a lot of specific, right. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can fake it, you know, mm-hmm. but that's no, yeah, but there's a lot of specific examples that I could, I would love to give to you that I think um, would be good ways. I think a person could go about, you know, uh, contributing on the opposite side. You know, combating it. Okay, like so. well, give me an example. Um, well, I think having conversations with people is huge. You know, you fire the saying, "Conversations change the world." Uh, I think that's huge. You know, if you really care about people, I think you'll want to talk to them. And so you start asking them questions, you know, things like, and, and this isn't like, I've kind of got a list of questions that I've formulated um, and just over the past conversations that I've had uh, with people. And, and this isn't something that like I care, or I don't, I don't, I don't ask this in a judgmental way. I, I ask these questions because I truly care about the person. But, you know, if somebody claims to be a Christian, you know, I'd say, oh, cool. Like what church do you go to? Um, and then if they're like, well, I don't, uh, technically, I, don't, I guess I don't really go to church. And it's like, okay. Um, you know, I say, well, I mean, do you read your Bible? And it's like, well, I mean, I have one somewhere, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. like, well, you know, have you repented? Like, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, well, okay. Do you pray? You know? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I talk to God, you know, sometimes. And, and so, I mean, you go out, you go out on the list and, and here's the thing, I'm not going to sit here and say, you have to do all these things, right? but I just think that it's fruit. You know, you're going to, you're going to see the fruit in somebody's life. And I don't ask those because I'm like, Oh, you're not a Christian. You know, like, no, it's because it's like, Oh, well maybe, maybe I'm not a Christian then, or I don't know, because part of me is like something changed in me to where I wanted to do the things that I didn't want to do before. Right. You know? Exactly. So a I care spiritual about temperature kind want, of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. To see if the flame is actually burning. And I just don't want somebody to be like where I was, you know, mm-hmm. I want somebody to be on fire for God. And so anyways, those would just be some questions. You know, obviously, there's a lot of things like politically. I mean, how 
I, it just hurts me to see so many people being deceived with, mm. you know, let's say like abortion, for example, you know, it's like, how can you, how can you truly stand for this? I just don't understand it. You're, you're voting for people, you know, that's a life and death issue that is yeah. honestly, and it's not that I hate the person who, who supports it. It's just that, are you being misled because the very God that you supposedly serve, you know, if they claim to be a Christian, that God thinks this is detestable, mm-hmm. you know, so going out and actually speaking the truth in all these areas where culture is, you know, being, I mean, it's just the world being forced mm-hmm. on us as Christians. Yep. And so we're supposed to fight back somehow. It doesn't have to mean we have to be arrogant, but we can be loving when yeah, we do it. Exactly. The key is a, a spine of steel, and that steel comes from the Lord himself. Yeah. That's, that's the reality. Yeah. All right. All right. I, so I want to just uh, real quick, thank you, Jeremiah, for coming on. And I want to have you on again some more because I like uh, I like talking like to Jeremiah you. Like Jeremiah said, good conversations. Good conversations. Dig deeper. And so thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Hey, thanks uh, for having me. That's going to do it for No Apology with Emily and Chris. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Don't forget, you can go to the website. There's lots of other stuff, blogs, prayer. Join the show, freshroadmedia.com.